Hi, I'm Lucas Meldrum and welcome to That Windsurf Podcast. This is a podcast where we have conversations with people in and around the windsurf community with a new topic and new guests each week. Since a lot of us are stuck at home at the moment, I thought I'd bring that beach talk to the comfort of your home. If you enjoy this, then go give it a like, subscribe to my YouTube channel, there's loads of old stuff on there. And if you know anyone else who might like it also, then let them know and share the pod. Right, enough of that, let's get into it. What what we what we what? what are you even on about? Oh yeah, which have loads. They weren't hung over that day. Not adult cartoons. <laughs> if you can't stop thinking about it, don't stop working for it. How's it going, people? Welcome back to That Windsurf Podcast. This is the third episode, and we're going down a slightly different route in this one, away from the glamour of the top pros and deep down and dirty, talking about season life. I've got two experienced season airs with me today. First up, we have the person who taught me to jump, chop up, Sandy Cleaners, and upcoming female freestyler, Claire Elliott. Hello, welcome. Hello, hey. Thank you for having us, mate. Yeah, no worries. Cool, yeah, so the listeners have probably figured out already, but we have a bit of a pattern. We start off talking about the current situation, the C word. So how's it affecting you guys and how are you keeping entertained and surviving? Go for it, Sandy. Um, well, yeah, I mean, uh, as, I was say- as we were saying before we started recording, I, um, I, <laughs> drove, up, I drove up to Scotland um, pretty much at the beginning of the lockdown. My mum lives up here by herself. Um, and to be honest, it's a safer place to be. Um, so I'm up in the highlands of Scotland um, and it's, it's pretty nice. Like we've got the beach, five ten minutes walk away. We've got the woods, so I've pretty much resorted to being a Labrador. I'm just eating my meals a day and going out for a walk. Um, so mm-hmm. luck, I'm lucky enough. I work from home anyway, so it's not made a huge difference to me. I'm kind of, you know, I've I've got a lot less work on than I did have, but I've still got enough, and I'm just sort of getting on with that. And I, I just re- finished rewatching all of Game of Thrones. So there you go. I actually just finished watching all of them for the first time. Oh, mate, nice. It's a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> nice. Claire, how have you been getting on? So I actually got back from Cape Town um, and then went straight on a snowboarding holiday. And then the like 24 hours after my snowboarding holiday, that is when they shut the UK um, pretty much. So yeah, lucky enough, I was based, uh, I still am based in Exmouth down in Devon. So I'm living with my mum and the rest of my family which has been really nice. I've kept my head down. I've done a shed load of fitness. A bit like Sandy, I've um, turned into a bit of a dog as well, or a Labrador. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> turned into a dog. Um, and yeah, I'm sort of structuring my days around a lot of fitness in the morning, have a bit of a chill, do a bit of DIY. And then, yeah, go on a nice walk with a dog. Um, and that's it really, nice early nights. Um, so yeah, I've quite enjoyed it. Funny enough, um, for the last seven years there's been so much moving around for me that I've actually quite enjoyed staying in one place and you know enjoying the little things and just mm-hmm. living a bit slower for a bit mm. yeah the simple life I think I think that's the same with everyone pretty much isn't it um, yeah I actually said to my brother today I said it feels like I've retired 50 years too early <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm like fully enjoying life like a retired person yeah other than the fact that we all can't get on the water. That's the only problem. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's the, the one big problem, yeah. 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 The, the speech is going on now, isn't it? The, the BJ speech. So we'll see what happens. Well, I'd rather be doing this than listening to that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely light at the end of the tunnel, so we'll get through it. Yeah, exactly. We're, you know, it, could, it could be a lot worse, couldn't it? Than yeah, all of definitely. Us having to Absolutely. sit and watch TV and all this. So... Mm. But I've I've actually quite I've actually quite enjoyed it. Like I'm spending, you know, I've not not been at home for this long for years, so it's quite nice being up here. And I think we've all just got to try and find a bit of zen amongst it all and just get through it. Really, definitely. I mean, it, I mean, it helps if you're self motivated anyway. But I think staying positive and and you know taking up a, a new hobby or a new sport you know just keeping busy that is the main thing all right then so we'll get into sort of your backstories to where you started windsurfing and your seasons season life and coaching so i started i started windsurfing um when i was 18 so 10 years ago now fuck i'm really old can i swear i'm oh, sorry <laughs> yeah yeah no swearing's allowed <laughs> good um so i yeah, I started windsurfing 10 years ago. I um, 
I got to my last year of school um, up here and I didn't really windsurf. I'd done it a bit on like sunset holidays when I was a kid, but I was never really that bothered. But got to my last year of school, got into uni, decided I didn't want to go. My, you know, my, my dad found this thing called Flying Fish, which are like a company that run instructor courses. They do like zero to hero courses. So I chose to do the one in Australia, in Sydney, and I did 12 weeks. I did six weeks sailing, six weeks windsurfing. And the first couple of weeks of windsurfing, I fucking hated it. I couldn't do it. I was the only one in the group that couldn't sail upwind. It used to, like, it just pissed me off no end. But I kind of finished that loving it, and I got a job with Nielsen through that. And then I kind of never really looked back. And then while I was on my first season in Greece, I found out there was this place called Vass that apparently was really good for windsurfing. So I just begged my manager and I was like, please, if anyone, if I need to, you know, if they need anyone to go to the Nielsen Resort there, can I go? Um, so I went and just worked my ass off. And then the next season, uh, I got offered Vass for that summer. In between those early seasons, I started going to Egypt. Like I started getting into freestyle and came back to Vass. And, and then that, that was when I met you. And, and we had that, we had a sick week actually. It was just me and you. Yeah, um, that was one of the best weeks. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, mate, it was awesome. Um, and I just, I just went out. I think I was, I was just doing Spocks at the time. So I went out and I was just teaching you to Vulcan a little bit and just doing Spocks. And I was like, <laughs> this, this is a perfect week. Um, and then through that, I went back to Egypt and kind of hung out with the Club Vast guys quite a lot more and realized that that was kind of the, I wanted to go down a bit more of a windsurf specific route. Whereas, you know, Nielsen kind of does more all round water sports. So I went to Club Vast and then, and, and that was kind of it, mate. I was just, I was at Club Vast for five years. Um, and in between that, all of us who worked at Clavas used to go on winter trips together. Like I went to, went to Brazil. Like I know you guys were in Cape Town this year. I did a couple of trips to Cape Town, just did all that. And then I kind of finished my season life, if you will, being the assistant manager of two excess on West for the last year and a half or so. And now I finished that in beginning of September last year. And what are you doing now? Uh, now I do, I kind of left the industry a little bit. Um, I do freelance social media management stuff. So I'm in kind of did um, social media marketing now. Okay, that's cool. But so, it, means can, it means I can work from home and I get an awful lot of time on the water. I was going to uh, say, yeah, that's a pretty yeah. good job to have. Is that an easy thing to get into to transition from? Well, it's weird. It's one of those things. I think a lot of people in water sports and stuff have these kind of jobs, you know, like work, remotely working or a lot of people who used to do seasons and stuff have kind of figured out that's the kind of job to do if you want to keep going on the water a lot. So I've got a few friends that are in digital marketing and stuff and I and all this and kind of just chatted to them. And I was like, look, is this a job? And I was already running all the social media to excess and stuff. So I had, you know, the best part of a year's experience of doing it. Um, and I just decided to just go out on my own and do it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Thanks for that. Um, Claire, how did you how did you start off in the industry? So I finished school and I started my A-levels. Absolutely hated it. Far too academic and far too sort of city life for me. So I ended up doing a diploma in outdoor leisure at an agricultural college, which is just down the road from Exmouth. So that was a year and a half course. After my outdoor diploma, most of my group or like, you know, my tutor group, they all ended up getting jobs in the UK, sort of. Uh, mountaineering and land-based stuff and growing up in Devon I've always loved the water I've liked sailing and surfing I really really wanted to venture further afield um, and, and actually get out of the UK I was uh, 19 at the time and yeah I found a job in Greece in Lefkada and yeah it was a for a company called Sunsail I think Sandy you mentioned you've been on Sunsail holidays yeah I have when I was when I was a young when I was a young lad a wee boy um yeah so yeah I worked for Sunsail and it was their last beach resort before they actually closed they only do flotilla holidays now which is yachting so yeah that was a season working with the kids club um and then it was actually at the end of that season I gave windsurfing a go a bit like Sandy I absolutely hated it um <laughs> I was paired up with well she called herself an instructor but she put me on a seven meter sail and God knows what board it was. I couldn't even uphaul the thing. And yeah, hated it. Didn't do it for a, for a couple of months after that. And I actually, um, uh, it, was so, it was a day off and some of the guys were going, going to Vass actually, which was about an hour and a half drive. And they, they asked me if I wanted to come. So I did. Ended up, yeah, going to just check out Vass. Um, I didn't windsurf. I just sort of admired the place. And I thought, right, 
okay, that's what windsurfing's about. That looks cool. Let's give it another shot, which I did. And then, yeah, it was pretty much the end of that season. And um, we were offered a lot of free, uh, free, a lot of cheap kit. I think they were doing this mega deal, like £100 a board, 50 quid a sale. And it was all these, like, all this kit that basically just been in storage from past seasons so I took them up on that offer ended up bringing back like three boards which included a wave board freestyle board and a free ride board and then just a mishmash of loads of old sails um, and then yeah that was probably the best investment I've ever done in my life and that was it really I went to went to Dahab that winter and the, probably the next couple of seasons after that as well unfortunately this was actually a couple of years too late I missed the like club vas boom in Dahab unfortunately so this is when actually Dahab started quieting quietening down but yeah I mean I did a lot of time in Egypt um, and that's kind of where I learned uh, and got my sort of freestyle inspiration as well so after that season I went on to work for a company called Ocean Elements for a couple of years. And then I just moved closer and closer and closer to Club Vass and finally got a job with them. So I've been with them for four years now, hoping to go back, meant to be there at the moment. But yeah, and of course, me and Sandy know each other from Club Vass. And then, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's cool. Actually, Claire, I wanted to also bring this up. How has that transition been from like right at the bottom to not being able to windsurf right to being being a world um, tour event well so I guess I, I picked it up pretty quick I've always been really sporty and I think the biggest drive for me is I've always been competitive um so you know whatever I whatever I um take up if someone's doing it better than me I want to be better than them in in the nicest possible way so yeah I've got a lot of self-motivation a lot of drive I guess that helps me get where I am now it was actually one of my first first seasons Max and who went to PWA that first year Max Rowe Jamie Howard Sam Green and I think Ollie Townsend they all actually um went to compete uh, so they took a couple of weeks off work and yeah and I remember sat there on the big screen um with the girls and it was my friend Emily I think she she sort of turned to me and mentioned she said Claire why don't you do it and I was a bit like, no, I can't do that. And I just remember getting a lot of support from the girls and the boys and said, no, no, you should really go for it. And and the following year, I, I, I went for it. Obviously, with a lot of support from my friends and Club Vass. Um, so, yeah, it was a really, really great experience. That was in 2017. Mm. Um, I went to do the um, Fuerteventura World Cup. Do you think doing a season, being at Club Vass has really helped to do that? I guess it's quite cool because when you finish school and you want to be like, try and be a top windsurfer, it's pretty hard to go from there. But if you go through doing a season somewhere, a couple couple of seasons, and you're actually working your own money and you're windsurfing, that can help yeah. you a lot. Oh, massively. I mean, the water, the water time I've had and, you, you know, you get to, to have on a season is incredible and I think if we'd gone back a few years um, I don't think I would have ever dreamed about actually doing a you know a worldwide competition let alone a national one so yeah I'm pretty happy so yeah like the on ongoing support and tips from everyone it's kind of yeah Club Vass have got me got me there and I think um, the other thing is the the winter seasons so the Cape Town trips the Dahab trips that's all you know consistent windsurfing for more than just a week holiday so I definitely have a uh, consistent windsurfing time and um, so that's really really helped with progression. Mm. How does that work do you just save up all the money from from the season and then go off on a trip in the winter? Yeah it's not that glamorous um, I do end up coming back to Devon or elsewhere and waitressing for a bit. <laughs> um, yeah. I actually work in a burger bar um, down yeah, in. I used to. I, used, I worked in a leisure centre when we used to do the trips. <laughs> oh yeah, cool. with your Lucasade Sport. <laughs> the, John, the John Nike Leisure Centre. <laughs> um, couple of months live at home, so yeah, I'm lucky enough. I don't have to pay rent or anything. So my mum's really, really supportive in that sense. But yeah, head down, save, 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 and then escape when you can. 
I want to start with the application process. Like when you're looking around and you're thinking, oh, I want to do a season, where do you start off? It's difficult because obviously I've, I've done it kind of both ways. So like a large company like Nielsen or something, there's obviously a pretty long, rigorous application yeah. process. You know, you've got to do I, my first ones. I, I had to go along and then you go through this group thing and you've got to like come up yeah, with some presentation and, and do that. And, and then after you've done that, you have your one-to-one and then they, you know, they kind of go, oh, you know, they used to have these like open days and stuff and you go along and, and do this. And then Club Vass, obviously, it's kind of different. Like, I think what people don't realise is, or you realise this as you, about every industry really, but, you know, windsurfing especially, like it's a really small industry. So as soon as you're in, everyone's got a mate that works at another centre that could get you, help you get the job. You know what I mean? So I, I was kind of like, oh, well, I think Clavas is where I want to work. And I, you know, I was lucky enough. I was already in Vass. So I, on my day off from Nielsen, I went down to Clavas and asked if I could have a chat to Ollie from the, the manager of Clavas. But then, and then when we were in Cape Town and stuff, like, you know, Ollie was doing kind of, you know, Skype interviews. He, he wouldn't, sometimes wouldn't be able to come windsurfing in the morning because he's doing, he's doing kind of Skype interviews and stuff. So I think, Clavas but do it a little bit more personally which I think is a nicer way to do it because but it's you know it's difficult because it's a private center rather than a, a, a kind of large operation you know when you've got 10 resorts yeah but if you're applying for someone like Nielsen would they just send you to any old resort yeah I think you can well when I worked there certainly you used to be able to put your you put your top three down like your preferences so you know for example say like you know, if you're someone who's listening to this is probably more into windsurfing than sailing or something. So they'd put down, oh, I want to go to, to Vass or, you know, the, the windy resorts. Whereas someone who just wants to go and go for a piss up and, and, you know, do some, do a dinghy regatta or two, they're probably not that bothered about going to Vass, you know. Yeah. Um, and are, you know, there are people like that. And some people literally just want to go and, yeah, might want to go biking or, you know, I don't know. But Club Vass is obviously a lot more specific. And I certainly... There's a bit of a hierarchy at Club Vass, you know, kind of you've got to do your time. So like me and Claire, we kind of come from the same boat, don't we? In that we'd already done two I or definitely, three. I definitely say, you know, I've worked my way up and yeah. I finally got to Club Vass and, it, you know, it's been tough, but I got there in the end kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I think for us specifically as windsurfers, that as we've said already, that's where we wanted to go. So that was kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. And some people, some people do seasons elsewhere and then they get straight in and work on the beach for Club Vass. So they're an instructor. Some people, because Flying Fish, who I did my course with, are also based in Vass, out of Club Vass. So some people will come fresh off a course and then they might go and kind of work on the bar for a couple of months or, you know, they work on the bar and do, do the odd week, like shadowing an instructor. The, the instructor can kind of give feedback to the, the senior instructors on the beach and stuff and, and, go from there and then it's difficult because you know there's only x amount of spaces and there's hundreds of people that want the job i guess for anyone out there who's thinking of doing it you know you don't have to have any qualifications really in any water sports as long as you sort of you know work hard you can you can yeah. get you can go up the levels can't you yeah 100 percent. like dude i got because the, the nature of me doing flying fish i had my nielsen interviews and stuff before i'd even gone and done my course so they're chatting to me like, right, what, what have you got? What have you got? And I was like, well, what I will have in three months time is this, this and this. But at the, at the time I was like, I don't even know how to get on a windsurf board. But I was yeah. like, once I'm done, I promise I'll be a star instructor. And cause you've got that, you know, you really don't need to be good. At, I think a lot of people shy away and they're like, Oh, I'm not good enough to do it. And like, you know, Claire, you, again, you might agree with me with this. Like I was shit at windsurfing when I became an instructor but you only need to be the level above what you teach. So you, know I was, what, you know what I really struggled with um, on my start course? Um, so because I was so new to windsurfing, I actually learned on a, I learned on a 107 freestyle um, taboo thing. Right. Um, I struggled so much on my beginner course because I couldn't ride the kit. Like I couldn't for the life of me windsurf on like a 200 litre board and a small rig really I, I just couldn't do it no and I don't know if Sam Ross might remember but because I obviously didn't start on one of them yeah uh, yeah and I, I found it so hard 
the instructing side of things was fine, but it was actually doing the demos on such different kit. Yeah. I think this is another reason why we love Clavas. I'm sorry, Lucas, if we're going off, off the question. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Um, but like Clavas, they, they're RYA affiliated and not, not an RYA training center necessarily. So we don't have to do the whole, the, the kind Read of the book. Exactly, mate. And I think that encouraged, that encouraged like all of us as instructors to kind of just find our own way of teaching. And like, sometimes it doesn't work so well. Like, especially, you know, you're a bit hungover in the morning and you're, you're doing a chat and then other days you, you find a bit of gold and you kind of just say it to someone and they just go, holy shit, I got, did my first water start or I, you know, got around my first card jibe. And if you really stuck to the book, you they might not have got there, in my opinion. Yeah, mm. for sure. I would say like all the seasons leading up to, well, before I worked for Club Bass, I was located in different spots around Left Card Island and I thought I think that was like a really good slow build up for me. If you if you are interested in going to Bass, like it's it's almost good to come with a bit of experience first. For sure, it can be it can be pretty daunting, can't it? Like you know you arrive you arrive there and like especially if you're not really as into it to begin with. And it sounds like the instructors are all talking a different language almost, doesn't it? And oh, spocks and flackers and shackers. <laughs> And everyone's like, what are you even on about? And <laughs> I think I think it can be pretty difficult um, to do. But then at the same time, I guess, you know, I think some people thrive off that, don't they, Claire? Like, do you remember um, one of the one of the bar staff on your first season at Club Bass? He mm-hmm. never windsurfed before and he finished the season, like, coming into the beach and sliding back on Vulcans in, like, four or five months. For sure. Which is insane. Yeah. yeah. So as, as daunting as it is, it's it is a place to learn, and you'll be inspired, and countless amounts of encouragement as well. Everyone, everyone, realistically, like I'm sure everyone does it, but like at Club Bass, especially, like we do, we do tend to rip the shit out of each other. But everyone's like still super. There's always that banter element to it, but it is a really welcoming place, and you know, it's it's quite loyal. You know, once you're part of the team, you're you're kind of part of the team, and everyone's got your back, and whether you have a a shit lesson or whether you're struggling to get through the day because you're so hungover or you know any, any, anything like that or you know every, everyone's really really good to each other and I think that's got better throughout the years so right so you you got your application you're off to VAS so what what time of the year do you about now don't you go about this time of year and then how do you start the season you got prepared for everything how does that work I guess well Claire would you be going on Sunday or you'd be going today Claire yeah, today, if not earlier. Um, oh, right. Yeah, probably a couple of weeks ago, to be honest. We usually do. We usually we usually arrive, or we used to arrive, and and then it's like two. It's like two weeks of setup, isn't it, Claire? And then. Mhm. And setup setup was pretty fun. Like, do you remember the first the first year you did? We rigged oh. every we rigged every sail in one day. We did three hundred sails in one day. Yeah. Oh. Finished um, at like ten p.m. at night. I tell you what, that was the best beer I've ever drank. Yeah, can I, Claire? I'm gonna I'm gonna make a confession on this podcast. That day, I didn't rig a single sail. Didn't. <laughs> I was I was I was chief of I was chief of unboxing. I was yeah I was I was chief of unboxing. I was I was being a clipboard wanker with Ollie. Now I remember I was just like directing rubbish and then directing masts to other people. By the end of the day, I remember like it was about eight o'clock. We switched the lights on and Ollie brought out like a massive tray of beers and he was like. We were all just like, to the break of dawn. That was our fuel, wasn't it? Yeah, we were like, let's just get... And then I remember afterwards, we were like, oh, we've, we've done it. And we all went out in town, and about 20 minutes later, we'd all just gone to bed. It's super hard work, the, the setup of it, isn't it? But, like, when the centre's done, it's so satisfying. So what you got to rig everything up, and what's the rest of the setup like? So, obviously, you arrive, you meet, you meet the team, you get into your accommodation, and then... Yeah, you basically have, I mean, it's very similar for other centres as well. You basically have two to three weeks of intense hard graft work, which includes maintenance, building, gardening, all of it, just to make your centre look incredible. Um, carrying, isn't it? A lot of lifting, carrying. Yeah, a lot of... Um, moving plant pots. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of PPM, which is pointless pile moving. Um, yeah. that's like intense two to three weeks and then before you know it you've got a coach full of guests arriving how's the first day when everyone when all the guests arrive 
Oh, mate, it's funny because that the first two weeks, because as Claire said, like the place is like a building site when you arrive. So, you know, no one, no one looks very nice. Everyone wears their worst clothes doing setup. And then to the day the guests arrive, everyone just walks in and you're like, oh, new boardies, new boardies. All the yeah. girls, everyone's like, you know, well, everyone's had a bit of a shave and a haircut and they've got their newest pair of shorts on. And it's, it's a pretty funny day, I think. Um, and it's, it's quite, it's a really nice day usually because you're pretty, you're pretty proud. I, well, I certainly was like, everyone was like pretty proud of how the center usually looked. You're like, oh, this looks sick. And you know, you're quite excited. And then you get all the guests coming and they walk down the decking and they all just start stroking boards. <laughs> um, and then yeah and then you kind of that that night was always really good that first they always arrive on a Sunday we used to have a bit of a Sunday social in the evening and you know usually at the beginning of the season it's a lot of like returning guests um, so it's a lot of people we all kind of know quite well because they all you know they all tend to come out before the kind of school holidays and all this so it's a bit of it's quite a nice reunion almost like yeah a lot of returning guests which is a lot less daunting yeah and there's always there's always like staff arriving for those first few weeks as well that you know you've, on that Sunday you've probably got a load of staff new members of staff arriving with the guests so it's 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 quite exciting and you're kind of everyone's so fresh as well you're kind of excited to just get started you know yeah it's nice. how does that compare to the end of the season oh mate you're fucked by the end <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, everyone everyone well you just you just get fatigued mate like you just you, you usually everyone talks about mid-season blues and you kind of you hit a wall at around the end of July and you're like oh and everyone does it and seems to just have a week where they don't go out and they just kind of chill and then you know they're not they're not windsurfing super late or anything and then you kind of get a bit of a second wind and then by by the time it comes to comes around to packing the center up we only take a week to pack the center up and that's like that's more work I reckon than and usually the weather's not not so good either so usually you've got these huge thunderstorms I can't remember standing in the beach hut, me and me and Sam standing in the beach hut on our first season, pouring acid onto boom cleats for about three hours in like the biggest storm you've ever seen in your life. And the beach hut doesn't have walls. So we're like standing in it just, just it's, yeah, disgusting, horrible. But it's, you can, again, like there's that camaraderie and you're kind of, it's like in the trenches together and you're like, let's get this done. Um, yeah. each, each part of the season has its own like, um positives and negatives i think you know like peak season it's super busy you you work 12 13 hour days you're absolutely knackered all the time but at the same time there's so many people there and there's so much going on and there's a party all the time and usually peak season is when it's really windy as well so you just keep riding the wave for like six weeks and you just don't stop so yeah i don't i don't know what your experience was like claire but that's that's certainly what i found it's like yeah, peaks and troughs and, you know, at the end of the day, you're working long, long hours. Um, it's hard, but, you know, you've got the sun and wind to fuel you. You've got... Yeah, exactly. You've got, you've got a beer to fuel lager. you. Lager. Um, copious amounts of lag. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. You've also got, like, the surrounding team as well. And I think it's the same for, for all places, not just Club Bass. Um, you are a close-knit team. You work together. There's going to be ups and downs, but at the end of the day you sit down the day's done and you know you share a share a beer with your whole team and got through another day and it's and it's good and there's nothing there's nothing better than the the evening session at the end of the day because the wind stays late and all the guests come off the water because they're all knackered and they finish and then you just hear the the last click of the last padlock and then all the staff just go straight straight back out on the water and you've got you know usually the water kind of seems to like flatten out at the end of the day and there's all sorts of chat about the wind in Vass and how it gets better later on. And oh, I used to kick in at one o'clock every day back in my day. But, um, <laughs> certainly, yeah, so much chat. But then you all come in and, and drink a few beers and it's just, it's, it's a really, really good way to end a day. Yeah, I mean, I, I do actually kind of admire you guys, the seasonal workers, because, you know, people from the outside, they might think, oh, look, they're, they're having fun. They're in, in Greece the whole summer. They're drinking, having a laugh. But at the end of the day, I've I've done a, worked a few a few times at my local water sports centre, and it's it is hard work, like long days, twelve hour days, and then every week it's like a repeat. I guess you, you're saying the same stuff every time, so it is hard work. Um, yeah, for sure, mate. I think I you know like it used to make me cringe when you know when and I, I hope these guests are listening. 
um, when they used to come out and, oh, when are you going to get a real job then? And it used to make me laugh because it's like, well, you've paid thousands to come out for me to teach you to do something you love. How, how define, define that not being a real job to me. Yeah. Know, I'm working my ass off here. Yeah. And it's, it's hard work. It's, it's a different type of job is what it is. It, yeah, completely, mate. You know, it's not like doing a, an office job or even, even it's not even like doing it in the UK and stuff because you're, you're not just a windsurfing instructor like you potentially would be at a centre in the UK. You're also like a host as well. You know, these guys are on holiday and you've got to make sure they're, they're having fun. And, you know, we do entertainments every Friday night and we cook a barbecue for them. And you, you are a bit of like a, a host um, as well as an, an instructor, you know. Um, and unlike, you know, other jobs around the world, like you, you can't switch off you know it's you're on the go all day until that center is shut you know there's a lot of thinking you have to plan your lessons and it's you know it's hard graph and it's physical as well you're running around you know you're windsurfing like almost all day sometimes out of your lessons you could be allocated to do a tower stint which is like sort of lifeguarding the bay or you could be put on a powerboat um and providing a rescue service so you know it's it's full on and it's so funny, like the guys at home, they say like, oh, when are you going off on your summer holiday? And it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> when I go work at that restaurant, I can switch off and I can serve. Yeah, and, I can yeah. and it's the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, um, I, I used to treat my job at home like the holiday from being on season. Exactly. I'd be like wandering around the leisure centre, just not really giving a shit at all. And I'm like, you know. Cruising the name, mate, leisure. Just, just cruising and then, <laughs> You know, kind of like when I get to Vass and that looks like the holiday, but that's when the work starts. At the end of the day, it's it's very much a work hard, play, play hard attitude in these sort of seasonal sure. jobs, yeah. Yeah, you know, like from, there's so much extracurricular stuff we do, like we do the, or Club Vass especially, you know, you, you do the entertainments every Friday for the guests, which is like kind of celebrity juice style sort of shows. We did that and then, you know, every year in August we do the Club Vass Oscars. Um, anyone doesn't know what they are type that into YouTube and enjoy um, there's there's loads of you know we used to like remake film trailers basically so we did like Mad Max we did Batman we did you guys did Jurassic Park the fucking year I left I was trying to get Jurassic Park made for years and then they did it finally the year I left I was gutted um, you know all that so that, but that's a lot of work it looks fun again but that's hours and hours of staying up editing of having to film on top of your day you know it's difficult but it's very fun. There's always stories of people going, oh yeah, you know, as soon as they get home from a season, you pretty much sleep for about three days. Um, and that's true. Like I literally just used to get back, put my clothes in the wash and just just chill for like three days. Before I even got up and started planning anything, I'd be like, right, I need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely get like a end of season come down. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that's, that's a good way of saying it, actually let's talk about the negative is yeah it's the come down you know you're, you've been stuck in this bubble with surrounded by all your friends then that all goes the six month thing is it can be tough and it, it is for me I always I always find it tough because you know you you make your sort of base there and then and then it's it's all gone for a bit yeah. maybe that's why I keep going back it's, it's a difficult one isn't it I think everyone everyone kind of knows when they know when they're like, right, yeah, I'm kind of done with it now. But like, you know, maybe this sounds stupid, but you, you kind of, you know, you, you're at the center of so much like action and stuff going yeah. on and people everywhere and parties and all this. And then you kind of get home, especially if it's the home you like grew up in. I know. You get, you get home and you're like, right, well, what now then? And like, I think one sure. of the, one everything slows down. Yeah. One of the things that kind of kept me going was knowing that, every year I came back, I knew I had a winter trip to go on. Um, so, you know, I'd Definitely. get back and I'd be like, right, six weeks or seven weeks of like, let's just go work my ass off, save as much money as I can. And then I get to go to Cape Town for three months. You know? Yeah, same here. Any of you ever thought of doing a, like a winter season, like doing the whole year sort of thing? What, like uh, a winter season as in snow? Yeah. Nah, it, it crossed my mind um, after my first season, like before I was super into windsurfing. Um, cause at that time, Nielsen had a base out in Whistler in Canada. Um, and I was like, I was like, that sounds pretty sick. And apparently it was really hard to get into. And, and I applied and I got a job in the Alps just as like a waiter and stuff. And I was like, well, I can do that. Or 
I got that. I also got offered a job in back in Australia, teaching on the beach I worked at in Australia. And I was like, do I want to go and be a waiter in the Alps? Or do I want to go back and be a windsurfer on, windsurfing instructor on a beach in Australia? And I was like, well, I'll do that. And then, and then after that, I went to Vass and got, I kind of was like learning to Vulcan at the end of the season. And I was like, well, I've really enjoyed this and I'm nearly there. So I just went to Egypt and then I kind of never looked back because I, I started getting super into like the freestyle after that. So I was like, well, I just felt like I was on a bit of a mission. So I just never, I never really wanted to take the break from it. Understandable. Uh, Claire, have you ever thought of it? Yeah. I was very, very similar to Sandy. I think like once, uh, once I started learning freestyle, I didn't, I didn't want any breaks in in the windsurfing. I wanted to do it all the time, whenever I could. I have just uh, so in March, I went on a. I was lucky enough to go on a family ski trip for a week to see my brother, who actually works works out in the Alps. And I've been skiing a few times, and I actually, um, I actually took up snowboarding day two, and I yeah. picked that up really quickly. And I bloody loved it. It was so fun. And I think when I was sat when I sat in like the Apres bar, listening to the music and stuff, I could like see the other seasonaires. And it was so weird not to be a seasonaire, but in a seasonaire place. <laughs> um, and I was just watching all, like a group of seasonaires. Like they were obviously on their day off, and you know that they've all got a drink in their hand. They've been on the slopes all day. They're having the best time in the sun. You know, this really cool house music's blaring out. And I was thinking, like, actually, a winter season would be really, really sick. Mm. Um, but I, I probably won't do one, though. <laughs> I, like, I like windsurfing too much. Yeah, mate. I like windsurfing. I like being in the sun. I don't think I... I don't think... I think I uh, can't really take up another sport now. I've dedicated too much to windsurfing now. Yeah, blood, I agree. Blood, sweat and tears. I'm in it for the long haul. That's it. Just going back a little bit, I really want to find out what happens day in the life of an instructor at Club Bass. Ha, huh, we used to do that for entertainment. I, Claire, Claire, your day was definitely really different to mine because you cared a lot more about your fitness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a bit of a, an anomaly in the whole like day in the life, to be honest, because I ended up getting up mega early and doing about two hours of fitness, so... Sandy, you can go for like the typical season there. Sandy, you go for it. What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, typical day, um, club, club Vass, you know, and again, Vass is one of those things and it actually works really well because the wind kicks in later. We didn't actually used to start work till 10 o'clock, um, which is epic, especially when you're, when you're spending some, some nights in the town. Um, so we, we um, you know, used to, you know, get up at like nine o'clock roll roll into work you pretty much all had mopeds our staff house is like 30 seconds on the moped from the from the hotel go to the hotel club vas again we're very lucky um club vas used to or feed us three meals a day um so you go in you can get free breakfast or you can they used to do like you know eggs and beans and toast and all that for you know a euro or a couple of euros um so we used to get that called power breakfast um you to get get that and then there's like a staff table there's a staff table. It's a bit like it's a bit like King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. You all kind of sit around this enormous table, and like it's it's one of it's, I don't think I've ever laughed more in one place in my life. Like it's the funniest place in the world. And in the morning, like everyone's in and everyone's watching like you know a windsurf video on the computer, and there's like four people huddled around it, and everyone you know. And then we have the morning meeting at ten o'clock. You do that, and then lessons start at like ten thirty, eleven. And then we like stagger lunch breaks from like one till three. And then usually wind kicks in around three. Yeah, after you finish your teaching, you like come back into the beach hut and you used to have a list and you put your name on the list and then you're, you're free to start going on rotation. So we used to get 40 minute windsurf rotations. And Club Vass, if there's one, one thing Club Vass have done absolutely perfectly it is the rotation system. Like the amount of sailing you get as a member of staff, if the if the rotation system's working and everyone knows what they're doing, mate, I used to get three or four rotations a day. You know, you're sailing for like two and a half, three hours in a day. So you're um, guaranteed to windsurf every day if it's windy. If it, if it's windy, yeah, mate. Unless um, over the weekends, it can be sometimes difficult because um, half the team have a day off Saturday, half the team have a day off Sunday. So okay. if you're a bit stretched, sometimes if you're at the bottom of the rotor, so like usually the people teaching advanced got where we're on the road to last but it's kind of different because if you're on advanced usually you're you're teaching 
um, either from your own kit or on, you know, you're kind of cruising around and windsurfing anyway. Whereas if you're teaching intermediates, obviously you can't go and practice your flackers or whatever while you're, mm. while you're out on the water, which we used to get a lot of instructors <laughs> doing. <laughs> you know, people, people trying to, shouting at them, trying to water start. <laughs> instructors coming through and absolutely ending themselves trying to do a flacker in front of their group. <laughs> That's when you start to question the professionalism. Um, but yeah, and then you and then you get you know you get your rotations towards the end of the day and that's that's an epic time of the day because you know all the guests are already windsurfing or they're kind of finishing up because usually rotations are four thirty onwards and realistically the guests if they're not conditioned to do so much windsurfing they can probably only ever do an hour and a half two hours a day and then and then you kind of finish finish the day late I think the latest we ever finished was like nine o'clock but that was rare usually it was like seven thirty maybe quarter to eight finish straight to the beach bar have a beer and then uh staff food and usually a lot of the guests used to eat at club ass so you kind of sit there and you might sit with your group for a bit and drink a couple of beers like i think one th another thing that club Vast do right that maybe other resorts could learn from uh, and again this is me being very biased is that there's nowhere near as much enforced fun at club Vast. Uh, yeah. and i hate enforced fun where they're like right you have to go and sit with your group and talk to them Oh, so awkward. Yeah. still my first season. Yeah, and that, that doesn't happen at Club Vast because, you know, all the guests are usually really cool and they're all really stoked to be there. And, you know, yeah, of course, as a member of staff, you know, someone comes up and offers you a beer, you're very rarely going to say, oh, no, please don't buy me a beer. Um, but, you know, because there's so many returning guests, you kind of get to know them over the years and it's a really nice vibe in the evening. And then, depending on what you want to do, you either you either head into town, you know, till the break of dawn, or you, um, or you go to bed, um, and then wake up, do it all again. Groundhog Day. Mm. That's kind of it in in a nutshell, mate. I mean, obviously every day is different, but you know that that's that's pretty much it. Um, you know, there's usually a bit of a lull in the middle of the day. Everyone everyone hits the we used to call it the Great Wall of China because typically lunch was a lot of pasta, <laughs> <laughs> you know, pasta with mystery meat. There's a few pros there. I know Max Rowe, Bubble used to go there, and Jamie. Yeah. Um, and obviously Claire, you're doing a lot now nowadays. So, how do their routines differ from the average instructor, or do they change at all? Nah, not really. Like, other than other than when everyone that everyone went to Florida for like two weeks, um, and I remember one year. I think that was the first year you went, Claire. That that left us in the shit a little bit because um, so many people went to Florida. But it was all right. But like, you know, like I think you guys all went and then Marco also went to help uh, commentate with Yaklar. So there was like five or six members of staff that went to Florida. But day, day to day, it's not like, like you didn't get any more windsurfing time or anything, did you, Claire? No. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're not, okay, they might have been a bit put out, but Club Vass was so proud of, of their team. Um, they they're not going to say no you can't go they and of they course. had such such good attitude about it and yeah they just had to work twice as hard for their fellow teammates to go compete which I think to be amazing. honest it was, it was one of those things that was really worrying when you guys went but I think it was actually fine you know it's just it's one of those things and like as you said it's it it really helped Club Vass out and it, it kind of puts us on the map a little bit it's like yeah look at look at all our instructors that are going competing on the world tours. And, and certainly when you guys were competing, like the whole center just stopped and everyone was just watching the massive TV on the bar. Like no one, no one's like, there's like two people running the beach and everyone else just went up to watch like Claire's heat or Jim Jam's heat or Max's heat, anyone. Um, so it was, it was always like a real big kind of couple of weeks when those guys were there. But I'd say in general, you're regardless of, you know, um, what you are you know max any of them you're like you're very much like you're an instructor first and then you're a pro yeah. you're there so, so they would teach beginners and and all the rest of it as well or they yeah, just not, not really because everyone but as you as you kind of worked at club vast more you know there was kind of certain instructors that that kind of did certain certain kind of levels because there was always new instructors and stuff that potentially couldn't teach you know the advanced levels and stuff so pretty much like myself claire a guy called Ed, Max and, and Jim Jam and stuff, we'd always be kind of teaching kind of either sort of higher intermediates or like advanced level. And then you have, you know, potentially kind of lower level instructors teaching that. But again, it's something you work up to. You know, my first, 
my first couple of seasons, pretty much all I did did was teach kids. But I taught I taught what you call well, it's called pro kids now. And a bit like you, Lucas, like teaching you to to jump and stuff when you were when you were young. I I did that quite a lot in my first couple of years at Club Bass. Mm. Um, you you know I think you sometimes do get typecast a little bit, but I think you get typecast at what you're good at. And I yeah, it makes sense. For sure, mate. You know, you're, you're trying to give the guests a good experience. You know, it's a bit like why me and Sam used to do a lot of kids because we're still kids, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we still behave like children. So they just used to put us with the children. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, it worked really well. I think everyone, everyone kind of found their niche and found what they like doing. Yeah, I think like whatever you teach, like everyone's pretty happy with what they're teaching. You'll never be put in a, in a situation where you're uncomfortable I think everyone does find their niche. I absolutely thrive off teaching intermediates. I've done a lot of intermediates the last couple of years. But then, yeah, again, I like to mix it up a bit as well. Otherwise, it does get fairly repetitive. And I think just not just personal windsurfing progression, but actually the the coaching progression at Club Vass. If you want to go and do your advanced instructor, they'll go out their way to to make that happen and make sure that you're fully fully up to scratch before you go and do your course and it's yeah it's really good coaching progression if you want to to build up your qualifications obviously you're you're both professionals when you do your job at seasons but there's got to be some good drunk stories i want to know some drunk stories anyway drunk stories oh dear luke Oh, drunk story. Dude, oh my God, sitting right next to me, I have something called the Beach Hut Diary, Lucas. Oh my God. I can't tell you, I can't, this, this is full of, what we, we used to write information in this um, of various funny things that happened throughout the season. Oh wow. Um, but, you know, a lot of them probably can't be, can't be said across <laughs> this. But, uh, you know, there's always, yeah, there's a lot of like, people uh you know a certain member of staff i shan't name him but he he passed out in the uh in the driveway of the staff house and they they found him the next morning and he was lying you know like dracula you know he lies completely like a pencil and he's just got his hands over his chest (laughs) he was just fast asleep and it's like you know 10 o'clock in the morning it's already super hot sunny and he's just lying there (laughs) looks like a corpse um we had we had this place called it was called the bachelor pad and it's like a little like a little uh, a little bungalow in the middle of the olive groves. Claire, you actually live next. You were our neighbour for a little while, weren't you? I was, yeah. Yeah, um, we lived there, and we used to. We had a wild sling. Do you know what a wild sling is? It's like a three-man water balloon catapult. I remember pretty drunk coming back one night, and we all we all got that and started like flinging each other's shoes across a field and <laughs> flinging. We tried we tried to fling a plastic chair, and then it snapped and nearly took Sam's back off. We shot Sam in the back with it once actually as well. That was pretty funny. I think what, happens, to... what happens in the, uh, in the morning when you got to teach? Uh, there was one time, I mean, Ollie, me, and, me and Ollie Townsend, we had to teach a duck jibe lesson on the lawn and I've never been so hungover in my life. Like I couldn't, li- I couldn't even talk. I literally couldn't talk and neither could he. <laughs> and we're like, I'm like standing there, I've got a pint of fizzy water, just, just straight up fizzy water from the, from the machine. The sorry bar staff, I know you shouldn't be giving us free fizzy water, but you did. I'm standing there with this pint and I'm just like, just sort of lit lapping it like a cat because I can't actually drink anything. And I'm just trying to tell people, I'm like, right guys, duck jobs, what we're gonna... And then every kind of minute or two, I just have to like, just sort of wave at Ollie and he'd stand up, take the pint glass off me and I'd go and sit down again. And then he'd be like, okay, so duck jib, right, yeah, so... Uh you know flip the rig and then he'd like tag me in and this went on for like an hour and a half and we just couldn't say anything i don't really know how we got through it but luckily we got no complaints and i think i think a couple of people might have even learned to duck jibe so one of those things like you you do build up a tolerance for it um and you do you do kind of get used to sort of operating on that level of like you just always got a bit of booze in your system um you know you and like for me, I don't get nearly as hungover out there than I do as I do in the UK and stuff. I don't know whether it's because it's warm or you kind of just jump in the sea in the morning if you need to, and you're like, oh, the and best you, cure, yeah, yeah, it kind of takes you out of it. But like, yeah, cer- certainly, I, you know, when I've been teaching advanced and you're, you know, standing on the lawn and it's 35 degrees and you're on a simulator talking through Diamond 360s and you're 
you feel like you literally feel like you're melting. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, yeah, the, ha- the hangovers aren't, aren't always fun. And, you know, a lot, a lot of the funny stories are just, just people just getting really drunk and being There's sick. Countless, countless amounts of stories, but you've got to experience it for yourself if you want to want to hear them. Well, I was going to say, has anyone got fired from a, a bad experience like that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, like, it's never really been um, the the instructor staff, shall we say. There's um, the the kitchen staff, however, um, is another level. You know, we, there's a few chefs that have been fired. Uh, typically, chefs like to uh, like to drink some drink some beers of an evening. So, um, yeah, we, we lost a few chefs <laughs> oh, doing various bad things. Um, but not, not, not really, mate. You know, it kind of comes with the territory. They, you know, you, they kind of know that you're going to go out and you're going to get drunk. And that, that's part, that's kind of part of the season experience. Um, just as long as you don't make a fool of yourself. And if you do make a fool of yourself, say sorry. And, you know, or if you can, just don't, don't let anyone see you doing it. If you're going to be hung over the next day, keep your sunglasses on and brush your teeth a lot. <laughs> everyone's pretty accepting of it and usually as well a lot of the guests are there for a bit of a jolly as well usually they're all you know certainly on like the saturday you know they all come down after we had the friday night party and they're all more hungover than us you know it's hilarious <laughs> i've got like yeah i've got pictures of like i taught my took me and me and my friend ed taught a group one year and we've got like pictures of all of us the next morning and we're all just literally the whole group's just like sitting in front of us asleep you know <laughs> We're trying to teach, and me and Ed are like trying to f- not to sleep as well, and they're just all asleep. And we're like, all right. Mm. Oh, sad. They weren't hung over that day. Oh yeah, maybe not. Maybe it was. Maybe it was just my lesson. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've been up for four hours doing fitness with you, Claire. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all good bars in the end, though. Oh mate, it's it's, it's epic, and I think it comes with it, and. You know, the beach bar in Vass is one of those places for me as well. Like, just one of the best spots in the world. So if, if I could be sitting anywhere right now, I'd be sitting there. Hmm. Awesome. Um, well, yeah. there's uh, Claire and Sandy's guide to uh, season life. Yeah. Don't. So any, anyone listening, hopefully you've been inspired. And if you know anyone who's been thinking about it, then uh, why don't you go share the podcast and let them know. When do you want to start? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm actually meant to be going to uni next year. So, oh really? Um, yeah, so I'm I'm going to uni. I guess a lot of people go to uni and then have the summer off and they do a season. I guess. Yeah. I was going to mention that. Like, sorry, Sam. If you if you're listening to this and you know you you are starting uni or you are at uni, that doesn't mean to that doesn't mean to say that you can't do a season. We've got something called high season or low season, and we got loads of students that come out and and work for us. And that's not just Club Vass, that's, that's, that goes for any season. You yeah, don't yeah. have to do the full season. You can do it for as short amount of time as you want, really. Yeah, we used to get guy, people coming out for like six weeks and we'd just, just smash it out for six weeks and have a lovely time and, you know, get better at windsurfing and love it and then just, you know, go back to uni. We used to get like a couple of uh, student windsurfing trips that would come out to Vass every summer, my first few seasons there and it was always pretty fun, you know, just a load of a load of rowdy students coming out. So, yeah, it, it's pretty cool to see. You know, you hear a lot of chat, oh, windsurfing's dead now. It's a dying sport, you know. And for me, I've not seen any evidence of that at all, uh, to be honest. Mm, nah. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll definitely think about it. I'll keep it in the back of my mind, maybe. Yeah. One day. <laughs> I think we'll start to wrap it up. I usually do a quick fire round if you guys are up for that. Yeah, for sure, mate. Go quick questions, quick answers. Let's start with uh, guilty pleasure. What a naughty question, Luca. <laughs> doesn't I like have to be. It doesn't have to be. I don't know. Guilty pleasure. I love just watching Star Wars cartoons all the time. So maybe that's maybe that's a guilty pleasure for me. But I don't really feel that guilty about like it. Like adult <laughs> cartoons. No, not adult cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> Like on Disney Plus, watching Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Oh, okay. I used to have all of, I used to have all of that on my hard drive, and I used to watch it like every night when I was in Vass. I'd like get home and I'd just watch watch an episode of that before going to bed. <laughs> yes, that's a guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. Um, oh yeah, Claire, go. <laughs> um, Owl City. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, you're a <laughs> <laughs> right, um, <laughs> uh, this is something that sort of uh, before I go for a session, um, sometimes I might put a song on that motivates me. Do you have your motivational song for windsurfing? Oh, each trip seemed to have like a different song for me. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Sure. So, yeah. Like some sometimes I was on trips that, and I, I'd get like super hyped up when I was listening to that. You know, oh, what have I been listening to recently? Oh, what's um, Claire? What's the Kanye West one that was on? Oh, Black Skinhead by Kanye West. That, oh, yeah, that's a good one. That gets me. That gets me real fired up to go windsurfing. Claire, do you have a song? I like. I like a lot of house music. So any any sort of house techno music. Um, yeah, something, something, something that you know, just any song that's going to be. Something with, yeah, something with a beat. <laughs> Favorite surfer on tour, windsurfer. Favorite windsurfer? I love um, uh, Yarden Yardemar, the Israeli. Okay, um, yeah. It's, it, I, I don't know if he really competes. I don't know if he competed last year, but he's he's a freestyler. His like his style is so sick. He does a lot of the moves that I like to do, but much much better. Sounds good, Claire. Um, my favorite windsurfer is probably. It's gonna have to be one of my best friends, Hannah Poschinger from Austria. She, yeah, I, we always seem to meet up in Cape Town or Egypt, and I think yeah, she's she's an inspiration, and she also does a bit of freestyle, and yeah, she's a real, really cool girl. I feel like my I feel like my answer was really shallow now, Claire. <laughs> I feel like sorry, I feel like I should have said Max or Jim Jam now or something, but sorry, boys. <laughs> Every answer is good. Every answer is good on here. Uh... <laughs> if, we're, if, we, if we're talking pro, I. I think big shout out to Micah Hoverman. Um, yeah. She, I th- well, absolute inspiration for me, and she's she's super, she's super modest as well. I just love that about her. Maybe you've answered this already, Sandy. But if you could be quarantined in one place in the world right now, where would it be? I, I mean, for me, like if I could have you know the the crew that would you know the crew that I wanted, I'd be in Vass. Yeah. You know, if I could if I could be there with like all of us from Vass and, you know, all of my mates and, and everyone, then I'd, I'd be in Vass, mate, for sure. Pretty similar, but at the end of the day, I think just being in being in the house I grew up in and... Definitely worse places to be. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just, yeah, I do feel very lucky. To finish off, what is your life motto or, if not, what motivates you in life? Deep, Lucas. Yeah, it's the last Stand question. You've got to really dig deep, yeah. Oh, my podcast now, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, really. I, I'm not, I've never really been much for a motto, but I think fucking do what makes you happy. I think it's so it's so easy to get caught up. Should I be moving with my career? And should I be spending less time windsurfing? Or should I just say, fuck it and go windsurfing? And should I own a house by now? And this is maybe me projecting me right now. But, um, you know... I think, yeah, do do what makes you happy. If you want to go windsurfing, go windsurfing. If you, you know, if you want to go to Cape Town for three months, go to Cape Town for three months. And, and it's kind of, it kind of worked out pretty well. Claire? Um, it's going to be hard to talk that one off. Probably, if you can't stop thinking about it, don't stop working for it. Oh, boom. Boom. <laughs> um, which, yeah, in a nutshell, I think about windsurfing all the time. And I'm going to keep working for it. So whether that's working in a burger bar for 12 hour shifts for two months, you know, it all pays off because I get to spend three months wherever I want. Yeah, that's my little motto. Mm, brilliant one. So I hope that inspires people out there. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, thank you very much, guys, for, for coming on. It's been great. No problem, mate. No, thank, thank, you for, um, thank you for for having us, mate. It's nice. Nice to, nice to chat to people, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah loved it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh, Sandy, I don't know if you want to mention your podcast. Uh, oh, yeah, can I? Can I do a shameless plug? Go for oh, it, nice. please. No, I mean, um, yeah, so I, I started a podcast in oh, like November. It's called The After Hours Lounge. Uh, you can find it on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And it's all about uh, men's mental health and well-being. So I have a different guest on every week from a different walk of life. And it's, yeah, it's just encouraging uh, men to chat a little bit more openly about their mental health and it's usually done over over a couple of beers 
Uh, so yeah, please, please give it a bit of love and a follow and, and maybe listen to it as well. That would help. Um, and that'd be, that'd be really cool. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Luke, for, for giving me, giving me the platform to ask people. <laughs> yeah, no worries. That's been Sandy Clunas, Claire Elliott and me, Lucas Meldrum. And yeah, hopefully see you next time very shortly. See you guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.